Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I'm joined by Chris Sherrod, Chris Legg, and Bryn Starnes. This is Reconstructed Faith. Welcome back to the Reconstructed Faith Podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, alongside my partners in crime, Chris Legg and Bryn Starnes here in studio, and Chris Sherrod over uh, in uh, Dallas. Guys, I'm glad to be back together. Chris Sherrod is glad. I'm so glad that you're back. (laughs) (laughs) I am too. Chris Sherrod is glad to be back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Chris, do do you have any guests in your office? Oh, my son Caleb is sitting here. Oh, nice. He's working on some stuff. For Very cool. Work. Wonderful. Anyway, that is that is great. We're glad uh, a lot of life has happened since uh, since Chris Leg has been on the podcast. It hadn't only, it hadn't been that long since we last recorded with you, but you've had. A, did he mean Jared? I think did so. I say Leg? Yeah. Yeah, you did. But it's okay. I meant Sherrod. Yeah. I've been, out, I've been out off and on oh, too, you, but they don't know it. that because the podcast, <laughs> yes. we recorded them in advance. So yes, it's like, exactly. I didn't know if he actually did mean me. Like, no, yes, no, no. I've been well, gone sorry, too. Sorry, sorry. So, so, no, no, no. But Chris, <laughs> Chris Sherrod has, they find, they found a house, they've moved in and you had a, uh, a daughter get married. Yep. So that's good stuff. All wow. The last, yeah. We can have, and then is it Chris, is it this Saturday? Yours, your son? Friday. Yep. Friday. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Crazy uh-huh. stuff. Uh-huh. Is your mind there yet, Chris? Last time we talked, no. you were saying your mind isn't there yet. Not yet. Gosh. Are you doing it? Are you you doing the ceremony? Yeah, I'm doing. Uh, Jared Schuler and I are splitting it. Oh, nice. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. It'll be, it'll be a blast. It'll be great. I think it'll be awesome. Yep. But all that to say, we're jumping back into the topic of slavery. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about different things, uh, contrasting slavery uh, from the Jewish point of view in the mm-hmm. Bible. Versus what we as uh, modern day Americans consider slavery, mm-hmm. um, and so we're not going to unpack all of that right now. If you have not, if you have not caught up to speed with that, I suggest you go and listen to uh, our last two, previous two episodes, both about right. slavery. Um, but we we left that last conversation saying, okay, we we want to look at what are some stumbling blocks that we haven't covered that people are talking about online or other things that. Uh, are just worth mentioning and um, discussing, no matter how tough or strange the conversation are. And we came across several things. And so, Bryn, do you want to hit the first one? Or well, wanna... I just was going to read a quote um, really quick that I found online that I think sums up really well why, one of the reasons why we're addressing this, because um, when it comes to deconstruction specifically, this quote, and I don't even remember, I'm not going to be able to credit who this quote's from because I forgot to write it down, but, um, but it just says, and so the question may arise, how can I love a God who finds it acceptable that one human being can own another? Abraham Lincoln mm. has been quoted as saying, if anything is wrong, slavery is wrong. If Lincoln knew this, why doesn't God and is such a God worthy of our love, adoration and worship? And so that was just pretty potent to me and a good reminder of why we're tackling things like we're tackling when it comes to deconstruction. So anyway, just thought I'd share. That's an interesting question. I want to, I want to search real quick because I want to see if Abraham Lincoln, who was a Christian thought God condoned slavery. Mm. Well, I don't think they're saying, I don't think the quote is saying that Abraham Lincoln thought God. No, I, I know they're not. Yeah. 
He, they were just saying if Abraham Lincoln thinks it's wrong, then surely God does, I think. And I, I would agree. Yeah. That but, the antebellum slavery of the United States, God does forbid. Right. Several times scripturally, I think. But I, I just think <clears> it's <throat> important that we we talk about this when it comes to deconstruction specifically, because it is like, if that was actually what God yeah. supported, that is a valid question. That's a great, you know? yep. So Valid question. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to have to come in with, I don't know exactly what all you guys talked about. I'm sorry. But I, I think when I think of this topic too, a general principle comes to my mind when I'm reading scripture. And that is, I guess, two things. One, um, the Bible records things it doesn't approve of. Mm-hmm. Like it's just recording stuff that people did. It doesn't always mean any, just because something's in the Bible doesn't mean like polygamy. It doesn't mean that God is all mm-hmm. for it. Right. But also, um, I think of when you even see laws, just because there's a law on how to deal with something doesn't mean, again, that God is for it. Like, there's laws on what to do if someone murders someone with the city's of refuge. That doesn't mean that God is all for murder. Right. He's just explaining, like, listen, this is a fallen world, and murder is going to happen, so here's what you do so that you don't just make it up and, and, and you know— make things worse or, or whatever, and, and take it into your own hands. Mm-hmm. So even when you see instances, that's why I feel like even with this, you got to look at even all the instances individually, because the Bible says it's wrong to, to be a slave trader. But then right. you see verses in the Bible that make it look like, oh, wait, people are trading slaves. And so what is it? So I think you got to look at it individually. But anyways, those are the two things that come to my mind that it's not that um, just because you see it's like with Jesus explaining the the law about divorce. Mm-hmm. Right. That's like, what I was well, going to say. The real deal is you guys have hard hearts. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about uh, racism and other issues later, I think it's easy to think, why didn't God just make this blanket statement of all slaves are, you know, all slavery is wrong. And he could have. And I think there's part of the progressive revelation that God gives us over time anyways. But I think of... Um, just the fact that laws don't fix hearts. Um, yep. So even when we talk about <clears throat> racism um, going on today and what's been going on, because this is all interrelated in a lot of ways, um, ultimately what God is about is transforming the person from the inside out, not just making an external law, because people can always either just break the law or get around it. And what God is more interested in is there's something changing from the inside. And then that's how reform happens, not just from, Again, there are times when you should make laws, but mm-hmm. that still doesn't fix our mm-hmm. hearts. Right. Yeah, we talked about how um, slavery as practiced in America and as practiced in Rome would both have been illegal under Jewish law. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's having the fact that it was already established that this is not legal, this was not moral, this is not appropriate, it certainly didn't change it. So no. I even... It even struck me after we talked last time, God has already made the statement, slavery like this is wrong. <clears throat> he had already made it. So saying Jesus needed to come out and make that statement, like, well, I mean, it's already there mm-hmm. in the Jewish law. It's already very clearly forbidden this type, the type of slavery that we uh, accepted here in the United States um, and that the Romans practiced. And that the Roman, everyone, all of human history, everyone has practiced, essentially, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any specific examples of cultures that did not practice human slavery or even ownership slavery or whatever. But um, anyway, it was a that was a that was a 
struck me as fascinating that again, it's tough for us, but like one of the passages we're going to look at today, it's what would have been shocking in its day isn't, it's the fact that it seems to condone slavery, but the fact that it limits the power of a slave owner. That's what would have been shocking in its day. Yeah. Um, so we can talk, we can talk more about that in a minute, but that came up a lot under sexism was um, maybe or maybe not we're in a position to judge some of the passages or some of the teachings Mm-hmm. Um, but also <clears throat> there's no doubt that they were shockingly progressive for their day. Yeah. I'm across the line. And we talked about how, last week, how if when it comes to Jesus mentioning slavery, like that's a great point that God had already said that. But then also if you had followed all the other teachings of Jesus, yes, then just like, uh, shared is saying with the transformation of the heart, like slavery, even if, even if he had never come out and said anything, Right. Like if you're following those ethics and being changed internally as Jesus had laid out, then slavery wouldn't have been slavery as we know it wouldn't yeah. have been an option. I actually so I got a comment because it's good. I found I found a sermon from the early eighteen hundreds by a guy named Richard Fuller, um, who was a Baptist pastor from the early eighteen hundreds, and he <clears throat> he um defended slavery in this a sermon or series of sermons. You said what's his name? Richard Fuller. Um, he had four main points. And the third one was, if Jesus had wanted to outlaw slavery, he would have done so. And the, and now, of course, we've already re- actually already responded to that with the version of Roman slavery was already clearly against the teaching of Scripture, and the Jewish version of slavery didn't need to be condemned. So there was really no need for Jesus to condemn slavery because Again, Roman slavery had been condemned. Jewish slavery didn't need to be. Um, but what's interesting is, so Matthew, Matthew, no, Wayland, it's not Matthew Wayland, I can't remember his first name, Wayland, as a pastor who responded to this sermon series at the same time, a contemporary, who responded. And his response to that point was Matthew 19, 19. So if you want to look up Matthew 19, that's essentially his whole response was Matthew 19, 19. Does Jesus directly forbid slavery? I'll pull it up. Have I got it yet? One second. Navigating over there right now. Matthew nineteen nineteen. Everybody scroll over. Everybody scroll over. <laughs> okay, one second. Okay. If we were doing Bible draw, I would have stood up already. Yeah, right. pointed. <laughs> oh, you, yeah, Chris, share. Do you have it memorized? Well, I'm reading it. it. That's what. That was what his best defense was. Is Honor it? your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. There you go. That's his defense against... Against slavery. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said that. He said in that phrase, Jesus condemned slavery. Because if you love your neighbor as yourself, unless you want to be a slave, you cannot enslave another human. And so you are not loving your neighbor as yourself to enslave him. It is a direct condemnation of slavery, of abuse of any human under any conditions. Mm. And so... Uh, that was Wayland's argument back was you don't get to say that Jesus did not condemn slavery because this passage clearly condemns not only slavery, but any other form of abuse between humans, which is pretty strong in my opinion. It's one of Jesus's key teachings to love your neighbor as yourself. So um, anyway, that struck me as, as pretty potent uh, statement. Anyway, just a thought. That's, that is an interesting, that is a really interesting kind of vignette of how that was done in, yep. at that time in American history. Um, 
Did he have any, did Richard Fuller, Fuller have any other points that were from scripture? Uh huh. Um, he claimed so that we, the Old Testament tolerates slavery, which we, we've already dealt with. Yeah. Um, that slavery was used as an example of teaching in Jesus and Paul. Interesting. Which, again, strikes me as a- having absolutely no value to the argument <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. This, um, so there's an issue that people have, and we still run into it constantly, which is implicit approval, mm-hmm. which is if someone is silent on something, they obviously agree with me. Silence is violence. Um, yeah. Which is the opposite. <laughs> no, that'd be bad. Um, but that's the that's his argument. Since Jesus and Paul did not speak directly to this issue uh, and condemning it, that means they approve of it. Yeah. And you uh, call that implicit? Implicit approval. It's kind of the opposite of <clears throat> yeah. the silence is violence movement. Yeah. Yeah. So they just assume, okay, he didn't say anything. So, so then he does approve. Yes. Yeah, he must yeah. approve of it. And yeah. and of course, Wayland came back and said, I could I could make the same argument except to say by not speaking about it, that meant they were condemning it, especially since Hebrew scripture condemns the Roman version of it. Like Mm -hmm. by being silent, that means they're keeping the law, the the Jewish law about slavery in place, place. Mm -hmm. um, which would be the case. But um, his, and so although also he talks uh, um, the fact that he references slavery without condemning it, um, Wayland is able to note, he also references freedom a lot. Mm-hmm. and how important it is to be free, and mm-hmm. how the Apostle Paul says that we should be free if we can be free. And so he, he just said, the argument against it was this is, I mean, really, and it is invalid. It's, it's, it's a non-argument. Mm-hmm. His first two are essentially non-arguments. And his third one was that, that they could have said the outlaw of slavery. Um, now, and his fourth argument, what's interesting, his fourth argument really is not pro-slavery at all. It is whether slavery is moral or not. Um, abuse is still immoral. And so he actually ends up saying, even if, if, even if slavery is moral, uh, <clears throat> abusing slaves is not moral. Mm. And so that was his fourth argument. So mm. in my opinion, it's not, and, and this is one of the better ones apparently from the era. Interesting. It's just not very compelling at all. Yeah. It's either a bad hermeneutic, a bad understanding of say, some of it. And we come back to the the whole idea of, this is why hermeneutics yes. is important. When we t- remember when we talked about hermeneutics and people said, asked the question, why does this even matter? Why do yeah. we need to do this? Yes. So you don't end up doing a sermon like this yeah. that 200 years later people are pulling to pieces because it's it's such a terrible argument. I mean, this right. is not well done at all. Well, and I mean, wasn't the argument like, well, the spirit, if, if we have the spirit, why do we need hermeneutics? And it's mm-hmm. like, I bet, I bet Fuller probably thought he was yeah. in the right. Yeah. Oh, clearly he preached a sermon on it. He doesn't. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so it's like, yeah, exactly. But you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yes. As a pastor probably was like, okay, this is what I'm being led to teach on. Yeah. Which is scary. Yep. Anyway. Okay. And then, so we, we talked a little bit, a little bit about that. The other thing we had talked about was in air quotes, the curse of ham. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. It's worth talking about. And does it exist? Yeah. All right, let's hear about it. <laughs> yeah, so this one, in my understanding, this one is was used as mm-hmm. a evidence that the Bible either condoned slavery or set up the system for slavery to be mm-hmm. um, set up the system of slavery, which is a crazy, especially claim. in particular for Black people. Yes, for Africans. Yeah. Um, and so I. Th- 
we thought it would be good to cover because it it is a passage that has been misunderstood and was used even I think we may have mentioned last week but mentioned in the like intermarrying of different races at one point yes. and um so I I can read it and then if Chris's want to unpack it but it comes from Genesis 9 um should I start back when Noah planted a vineyard is that where I should start uh you can Covers a lot of... Um, okay. Basically, well, basically Noah got drunk and was naked in his tent. And then it says, verse 23, then Shem... Oh, no, 22. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both of their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants. Shall he be to his brothers? He also said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. There you go. So that's where <clears throat> that thought originated. Yep. And I just add, I read a commentary one time <clears throat> where a guy said just evidence of how the fall, like the flood didn't cure the fall. Yes. Um, that you've got someone naked and ashamed in a garden again. Yep. Mm, interesting. He plants yeah. a garden yeah. and now he's naked again and it's kind of shameful. <laughs> yep. Wow. It's still, it's, we're still with the same issue. And I I tend to fall into the, uh, I don't know what the right word is, into the school of thought that 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 uh, Ham actually slept with his mother. Um, that the phrase to uncover a man's shame was to engage sexually with his wife. Hmm. And so <clears throat> we that don't would, know for sure. That would more explain the severity of oh, yeah. Noah's reaction. And so that that is... Very likely, I, I I was convinced by the argument um, that that was the case that that Noah probably Noah and maybe his wife were drunk, mm -hmm. and oh wow, and that Ham snuck in the tent and engaged sexually with what who would be his mother, um, because the phrase the nakedness of the father is actually probably a reference to sexual interaction with the mother. We don't know that mm -hmm. for sure. But it just may just be that his, for some reason, yeah. one man seeing another, seeing their father without clothes on. I don't know. That doesn't, that's not clear in the passage why that would be yeah. mm -hmm. shameful at all. We don't have any teaching about that anywhere before that or. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, it's tough. But one, um, so keep in mind, so Ham, Shem, and Japheth are the three uh, um, children, the three sons of Noah, and they are. Uh, in the Jewish thinking, those are the roots of the races. Mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. are the sources of the racial differences between humans, is Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Ham being the father of the African nations, Shem being the father of the Semite nations. That's mm -hmm. actually where we get the word Semite. And uh, Japheth being the father of the European nations. Mm -hmm. So, um, one... Uh, that's a very cultural perspective on it. It's not always like you as modern age geneticists, they say it's obviously not that neat and clean or whatever, but w whether you think this is literally the root of all the races, it was the mindset 
certainly uh, at that time, and in an early Christianity for a long, long time as well. And and many people still do. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying there's people come at it a little more, I don't know, complicated. But <clears throat> so one notice that is not a curse of Ham. Mm-hmm. That Ham is not the one cursed in this passage. So to say, therefore, all African people should somehow be serving. Look at how big a reach you've got to make to say, oh, this explains why African people should somehow be servants to other the other two races, Shem and does that does that do you see that in this in any way? I don't. I, I don't. I don't. I I just it is not a logical conclusion. Mm-mm. You know. Yeah. So, even if you were to say, okay, the descendants of Canaan are going to be the servants of the descendants of uh, Japheth and Shem, which is not clearly stated in this passage. Yeah. Um, but even if you say that's going to be it, you've got a fascinating, like, cursed be Canaan, the servant of servants shall be to his brothers. Was His brothers aren't Shem and Japheth. His, son, his brothers would be the other sons of Ham. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so then, but he goes on to say, blessed be God of Shem, let Canaan be his servant. Okay, so he's going to be the servant of his brothers and the servant of Shem and the servant of uh, Japheth. Yeah, let Canaan be his servant. Who is Canaan? The son of Ham. So the son of Ham, not Ham. Mm-hmm. And Canaan is the son of Ham that did not go to Africa, that stayed in the region. That's why we have the region of Canaan, Canaan. that people of Israel invaded. Right, and later. Canaanites and all and that. And the Canaanites, that's right. And so we're not talking about Africans mm-hmm. at all with Canaan. We're talking about the Canaanites who clearly then several hundred years later, the people of Shem, the the Israelites, one of the races of Shem, the Israelites, is going to come back and in fact take over the land of Canaan and enslave some of them and kill some of them and then go back and forth being enslaved to them and then being slave to him. Like it's not some neat and clean mm. thing here. There's, in, in my opinion, there is less than no uh, argument to be made about the enslavement of Africans from this passage. There's nothing. So people just make a leap like, well, Ham was like, I'm, I'm just trying to see like, <laughs> yeah, like good, good luck with making this reasonable. It doesn't, it's, it's <laughs> a, well, the curse of Ham, but if you like, we've, this is like really, I haven't dug into this at all. We've been talking about this for maybe seven minutes and it's also like, I'm <laughs> just scratching my head, yeah, you know? Exactly. And it's like, how, how is this an argument? And I guess that, we, we talk about that a lot is like when something is kind of thrown out there by an influencer, by yep. somebody and you don't take the time to, you know, it, you, if you can, if you have a straw man faith and it's just like, Oh, well somebody said something flashy that it right. says in the Bible and you're not willing to put in the work, not even that hard of work. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be no, mean, no. but I, I'm just saying it's like, hard not to be mean to, any, yes. to the thought that anyone was convinced by this argument. It, it also makes me go, I think you wanted this to be true. Yeah. I think you were so desperate to yeah. be able to hold on to, to your slaves, your despite sin. the fact that clearly it's not okay. Yeah. To justify your sin mm-hmm. that you were willing to accept what is clearly an empty argument mm-hmm. in an effort to be okay with it. That what's wild is, it, it dismantles at so many levels, at so many different levels, this argument. So if, even if it had been, like if you go, okay, so therefore Canaanites should serve everyone else in perpetuity forever. Like 
That's how I'm going to interpret this passage, that Canaanites should be enslaved to everybody. What does it have to do with the other sons of Ham? Like Nothing. It has nothing to do with the African nations. Nothing. Okay, then we need to rename this as the curse of Ham, not this curse of Canaan, which it clearly is. So let's just rename it the curse of Ham so that it applies to them. It's not in there. It's just not there. And that's one of the things that always, every time you hear it referred to as the curse of Ham, like, which doesn't exist. It's not in the Bible. There is a curse of Canaan. Why Canaan over Ham? Don't know. Yeah. Why was Canaan cursed particularly? Don't right. know. Um, but for whatever reason, that was the curse Noah laid out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Now, so moving on from that. <laughs> yes. So that's an Old Testament argument that people, or issue <clears throat> that some people that some people have, use. have used. You'll notice Richard Fuller did not use that as part of his argument in the 1800s. Yeah. It was so weak mm-hmm. that, that, Bible people who understood the Bible at all were not using it probably very much back then even mm. that he makes his best argument best four point argument for the morality of slavery and he doesn't reference Ham Shem and Japheth yes um, by the way we'll go back to this with racism but one of my favorite cool moments in in connect in the Bible connecting things all together are the conversions of the descendant of Ham the descendant of Shem and the descendant of Japheth in the middle of the book of Acts mm-hmm. but we'll come to that when we talk about racism yeah dude it Makes the hair mention, stand up the back of my neck. Yeah. This is all kind of related, but a lot of people don't know this, that Mormonism uh, had, a, had a history of racism. And they quoted, they said the curse on um, Cain, the Cain. mark on Cain, uh, was dark skin. And then later they said that the curse <laughs> on Ham was having dark skin as well. Um. Or on Canaan. And so it wasn't until, so so blacks were not allowed to hold the priesthood in Mormonism until after the civil rights movement. And in the, in the 1970s, God gave them a new revelation, apparently, mm. because they changed their theology and said that blacks can now hold the priesthood. But it, it's related to racism, but it's also related because it goes back to these early passages where they made that blanket yeah. statement and claimed Just that. Out of but nowhere. there's even less, I mean, there's not an argument for... Canaan, but there's even less of an argument for Cain, right? There's no <laughs> yeah, evidence there's whatsoever. No. Yeah, like exactly. It it's ridiculous. revealing so much about the people that made that. Yes. To say yeah. like, oh yeah, this is going to be the oh interesting. It's in fact one of the fascinating. I had a sociology Thanks. professor who's a Christian, and we were discussing it in class. We were discussing that, early sociology okay. and early. If, I mean, we don't do it anymore, but you you shouldn't be allowed to teach early sociology without going to the Hebrew scriptures. Um, because it's the earliest study on human sociology by far. Mm. And and he referenced this curse of Cain and and referenced the fact that he had heard gr- growing up that it was that Cain was given dark skin. Well, what we now know of biological history of humanity, it would be much more likely if you wanted to make an early <laughs> human stand out. Black skin is not what you would give him. White skin is what you would give him. Yes. Like the earliest races were clearly dark skinned yes. humans were. And so it would be a much better argument to say the mark against Cain was being made white. If yes. you want to get, we have no, by the way, and we have no information what the mark was, none. But if you were going to make an argument, it'd be a whole lot. You'd make a, at least you would have some, some kind of weird reason to say. But isn't it fascinating that Adam and Eve and all our paintings, almost all the paintings are white. Well, my, totally in, my be, in my beginner's Bible. Yeah, exactly right. The cartoon characters <clears throat> are white. Brown hair, Is yeah, that because Blue of the eyes. era that they were. Yeah, that's just eth- just just flat ethnocentrism. Man, they're white because we're white. Could they say? 
Oh, we, we have no idea what Adam and Eve look yes. like. If you want to, yes. if you want to read a fun book about it, you can read uh, Dr. William Lane Craig's theory on who Adam and Eve were. Ooh, and he has, he finally wrote the book that the historical Adam, he finally wrote it and interesting came out a couple of years ago, but he thinks they were essentially the modern day version of one of the ancient tiny races of, uh, like where pygmies yeah. came from one of the, the, one of the race, one of the ancient races of humans that go way, way, way back. Interesting. I don't remember which homo, whichever, uh, okay. he, he went it with, but it's fascinating. It's called, um, uh, the historical Adam. Anyway, he has some fun with it. It's just a fun okay. theoretical book. Let's look at that one passage too. Yeah, in in, uh, in Exodus, Exodus twenty one twenty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have it pulled up or? Uh, yes. Exodus twenty one twenty through twenty one is another one that we I don't we may have mentioned. I think you mentioned it last. We week, may have, but we didn't dive into it. Um, but it says if a man beats his male or female slave with a club and the slave dies as a result, the owner must be punished. But if the slave recovers within a day or two, then the owner shall not be punished since the slave is his property. So this is one of the more what version is that this is. So that's what I need to look up because <laughs> I like I the... think that was pulled from. I need to. Here, I've never I, heard I that word translated club. That's, yeah. that's, wow. Let me pull up a <laughs> different. Yeah. So I says, think it was pulled from an article that was using it, which is okay. my bad. Let me. Was it, no, that's quite all right. That's, again, that's great insight. <laughs> so if, you, says, if you think of it as a club. Well, it's yeah. like some of the verses we read on rape laws. It's like the, <laughs> yeah. The less than. Um, well, the ESV says when a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod. Right. And the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged for the slave is his money. There you go. Is um, his money. Is, is his what money. It says. That's right. Wow. Is his, and the literal there means it's the word silver. Yeah. Mm. Um, so let's, I'm, let's unpack it a little bit. Say, I read something about this, but I don't remember what it was. There's well, some, there's some, I just read, this is like one of the verses that seems more harsh. Oh yeah. So even though we, uh, we unpacked what the old Testament view of like their, what they meant by slavery. Uh huh. When they use that word, this is a verse that is hard to get around when it comes to, okay, this seems to be excusing abuse of yeah. those servants. Hitting your servant with a rod, even your bond servant. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Even if he came freely to you. Right. You hit him with a rod. Right. Okay. Good, good and, question. And then does it, and then also I wonder if it, just from a quick Google search, but it's like, okay, now did, does this mean that he's not a person? Mm-hmm. If the no, slave is his money, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, he, he's property. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I think that's what people think as well. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and as we talked about, that would not fit well with no the other passages about even servants because mm-hmm. they have rights under the law. They're right. more, they are clearly more than just property. You can't sell them or trade them. Like you can't, you have no power over their, over them like that. Exactly. Um, so that would be weird if this means... Um, because the slave is nothing more than property mm-hmm. that would not fit with the rest of it. Yeah. So look, if you look at chapter 21 <clears throat> and several of the chapters going in and out of that, these are, these are just uh, various laws. If yeah. this happens, this is the consequence. If this happens, this is the consequence. And right before it, we get several uh, manslaughter, essentially manslaughter rulings, if I remember correctly. That if a man does this and someone dies, then he has to do this at consequence. If a man uh, gets into a fight and a pregnant woman gets injured and she loses the baby, here's what he has to do. Like it's a very, it's a series of 
kind of if-then laws. Am I right? Isn't that what this was section is mostly? A lot of the section is specifically about slaves. So there's like, if he marries a slave, if his son marries a slave. Um, yeah, there is one about whoever strikes a man. The punishment for that, if he strikes his father or mother. Yeah, so there are a lot of okay. if then. When two men quarrel, so 18, when men mm-hmm. quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone, with his fist, the man does not die, but he takes, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? Which <clears throat> is interesting because the heading that is not scripture that's added to it mm-hmm. in the ESV is laws about slaves. But obviously there's a lot of yeah, laws not in here that are not all on about, about slaves. slaves. Yeah. Anyway. So what strikes is interesting is, so it's those rules about assault, manslaughter, even cursing, like uh, uh, all the different types of assault a person could essentially engage in, right? Mm-hmm. And it says if if you know uh, if a man rises and walks again outdoor with his staff, the one who struck him is clear. He will pay him for the loss of his time when he's thoroughly healed. So if two guys get in a fight and I hit you so hard you're you're not able to work for a few days, I essentially have to provide the income for your family until you can get back to work. Um. That's, it's just a loss of time. And so that's, that's, that's the rule. So there's a whole series of ones like this. What's fascinating is these are all law, most of them, unless it's says otherwise, are laws between free people. Mm-hmm. What you then don't have in most moral codes, legal codes in this era, is then suddenly some laws about the protection of the life of slaves and servants. You typically do not have that. Why not? Why, why would you typically not have any protection for the slave? Like, if you'd like, if, if Colson, I get in a fight and he hits me hard enough to put me out of work for a few days, he's going to have to provide for my family until I get back on my feet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if Colson has a slave and he hits that slave, like there's nothing other, other legal heading had very little, if anything, protection mm-hmm. for that slave. Cause because he's just in, your property. Yeah. Because in other cultures or in the cultures in that area era, mm-hmm. it would be considered property. Yeah. There's just no, yeah. I mean, not, like hit, not our problem. Right. So you just you, killed, you just killed your cow. Yeah. Or you killed your cat. That's not my problem. Killed your slave. That's not my problem. Do what you want to do. It's your slave. In Jewish law, there are several laws in various places that protect the rights of slaves. And here's one of them. When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod, and the slave dies under his hand, he'll be avenged. So it's comment on that first. What is being described here, the word rod is also the Hebrew word for correction. So this isn't, this isn't torture, it's the, this is the same Bible that says that you should use the rod to discipline your children, and you should use the rod to discipline your animals. Mm. The rod was a tool of discipline used by the legal system on adults. This would be like caning in other places. Mm. So the system was very much so dependent on corporal punishment. Um, and so this doesn't imply that this is some, it implies that he's correcting his slave did something wrong, and the form of punishment for doing something wrong is to cane him. Now, we don't like caning, obviously. We think of it in America as cruel and unusual, though a huge percentage of the world still uses it. It's another one of those moral high ground conversations that I've talked with people about before. Um, I had a client years ago who got caught vandalizing cars and was put in juvenile detention and where he made some really good friends and and was abused in juvenile detention by other prisoners and then made some good friends that later led him down a path that he spent the rest of his life in and out of prison because of these friendships and the addictions and all that stuff created. But they didn't cane him. Versus at the same time, my dad was in um, Malaysia and a kid got caught vandalizing cars 
and they took him outside and hit him with a split piece of bamboo six times on the back of his leg and sent him home. And so when we come back the next morning and they hit him six more times at first at sun up the next morning, dragged him in front of the judge and said, you've got 18 licks. You've got 12 of them so far. If I ever see you in my court again, I'm tacking those six onto whatever else you get. Go home. The recidivism rate in their country is almost nothing. So again, we take that moral high ground and say, obviously caning is always wrong. I think it's worth the conversation, maybe not here, but is it worse? But if I had to choose for my son, two days of corporal punishment or a lifetime of criminal behavior in and out of prison that often comes with that, I'm not sure the more just option is not actually, again, our moral high ground may not be the moral high ground. I'm not saying I approve of it or don't approve of it. Right, right, right. But you but you are making the case of maybe we don't know best yeah, maybe. I, because I think often we, yeah, we do in our society these days think, Oh my goodness, how barbaric, right? Look how far we've come kind of right. thing. And, and maybe some of our consequences are actually worse. Yeah. I mean, I know as a kid, when I got the option between calling my dad or getting pops, which I know they probably don't ever do anymore. I said, give me pops because mm-hmm. I, I preferred three good hard licks on my backside than whatever consequences my parents were. And, and I don't, I wasn't afraid of them. I didn't think they were going to hurt me. It wasn't an abuse situation. I just yeah. didn't want to get grounded as long as I was going to get grounded. Yeah. I'd rather take the licks right now than get grounded later. Anyway, that all to say, this m- probably is talking about correction, not abuse. Okay. Um, again, if it used the word club, maybe it would be abuse, but it uses clearly the word rod, which is also the Hebrew word for correction, which again in scripture talks about for can, there is, is always used for correction, not for abuse. Yeah. Um, we may not like the idea of, yeah. of correcting an adult servant with a rod. Right. Yeah, that's... Un- that's super that's uncomfortable to us uncomfortable. and feels feels right. wrong and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. And has been mis- misused Again, a yes, yeah. it's been, probably as part of it has been so abused for so long. Um, but the point is, if, if the... This is if the owner so to speak, the, the master, the leader, it's not an owner here, the man strikes his slave and the slave dies. The, according to what I read, the word avenged here means they execute probably the master. Mm. That's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. So you better be darn careful that you don't accidentally kill a servant when you're correcting them. Yeah. You better control your temper. Um, so that's one. Mm-hmm. But then it says if the slave survives a day or two, he isn't to be avenged. Now, that seems super weird mm-hmm. as well, doesn't it? Because um, <clears throat> the slave is his money. This is probably referencing back to the section before, which says you need to reimburse the guy. So if, if you and I get in a fight and you hit me so hard that I can't work, yeah. you need to reimburse, my, reimburse me for that. If I hit my slave too hard that he can't work, yeah. I don't I don't have to give him money. After all, he works for me. I'm the one who's out his labor mm-hmm. for those few days. So it probably means nothing more than the money that is lost when a slave is down for a few days yeah. is my money. It's my money that gets lost. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It doesn't mean it doesn't, it's not an identity statement. This is his money. It's clearly a mirroring of the passage before. Two people get in a fight, one of them gets hurt, two free men. Well, the free man better pay for the other free man's time while he's injured. Mm. The master doesn't need to pay the slave for his injured time because mm-hmm. that slave was working for him after all anyway. He's the one who lost out on the money. Yeah, the yeah, time. yeah. So I think that's the best interpretation of this passage is a mirroring the phrase above 
it's just delineating between free people and slave people. And the free and what the did the the delineation isn't does the slave has rights. It's yeah. who gets who needs to be reimbursed yeah. is the only thing that delineates between the two concepts. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're doing here is so helpful, but I think a lot of people just don't have the patience to sit through what you just explained. Like it makes total sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense when it says, but it's his money, it's his silver or literally you go, Oh, okay. Well that helps. Right. But I just don't think that people, I really do think a lot of people just, no, 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 no. That It just says, and they just don't want to hear, you know? So I don't know. I just think a lot of it, that I agree. goes back to what we said at the very beginning of, are you honestly, doubting or are you looking for a philosophy that lets you live like you want in a lot of ways and i'm not saying that's what a lot of people do but i just think that if someone is honest listening to an explanation it'd be like okay all right well that helps clarify some stuff versus a lot of people just don't even want to you know hear it so i I think go ahead well a hard check mm -hmm. i mean i agree i think the other thing is if you don't have an understanding of them they're so offensive on the face without having like done the deep research that right. it's painful to keep researching if if you want to walk away yes at the at the beginning um because it is if you don't understand it, it is so offensive and so shocking that it's easier just to to be offended and and hurt and walk right. away instead of keep digging on the chance that you find confirmation of what you've already been hurt by right you know what i mean mm-hmm. i, I I fully understand it. If I, if I wasn't, if it wasn't already important to me, it would be, it would be easy to just not do it. Yeah. Um, so what I've learned over the years is that when I come to a passage like that and I think, oh my gosh, well, it's just horrible. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is my response as well. It's like, what am I gotten myself into? Right. Look at this. This is, and so if I can, you know, slow my roll a little bit and start reading and studying what does it actually say and what's the message here and what's the context. It's been amazing to me how often there is like, Oh, well, yeah, that makes good sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it's a, it's a restatement of the law before it with just a different consequence given one is free and one is Well, All right. But remember we ran into and Sheridan, I ran into this with um, David Smalley and we've, I've run into this with almost every, atheists that I've had these, some of these conversations with, or people who are pushing back on this is they, is, is at this moment they go, okay, fine. Well, that's that one. But what about, what about when the Hebrew people, you know, are sitting to slaughter everybody? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. what about that? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Kind of the, the, the idea of genocide. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we'll touch on. Mm-hmm. But what strikes me is, okay, so you answered that one, but that actually changes nothing for me. Yeah. It doesn't change you. Okay. Okay, good. Fine. You answered that. I said that was a big one. You've answered it, but what about this one? Yeah. Here's yet another one. And I think that's common. I think, because I, I think what we, what I said before we were on air was the research I did indicates to me that this is less, that slavery, maybe sexism is more about what does the Bible actually teach about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But slavery struck me as this, it seems less about what the Bible actually teaches about it and what Christians have done in the past. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, yeah. I'm, believe me, I'm right there with you. Right. I am deeply offended by that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why I don't worship Christianity. It's why I don't worship Christians. It's why I don't. I've, I've deconstructed my faith in humans. I've deconstructed my faith in groups of humans. Like, right. <laughs> they're going to let me down every time. Like, I just, of course, they're going to fail. That doesn't mean that's not still the best stuff out there. People are, can be awesome. 
and churches are amazing, and they're still people, so they're flawed and frail and failures and and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's part of why I want something that is bigger than me, mm-hmm. why I want something bigger than just us. Um, I did find that it was actually called, by the way, the Slave Bible, which was mm-hmm. published in 1807, mm-hmm. that cut portions that might inspire slaves to realize that <laughs> what the slave owners were doing was wrong. Wow. Um, again, that's always a really good sign when you're having to skip passages. That's why we're not, by the way, in this podcast. Mm-hmm. When you're going to skip certain passages or avoid them, or ignore them, or run from the hills, or cut them out of your Bible or whatever, like you, yeah. you have a big problem. Mm-hmm. And that just tells me that the people who published the slave Bible, I mean, they have no excuse, yeah. none. There's no excuse for what they were doing. Um, it is true that America was pro-slavery um, for a long time. Um, I'm about to teach a government class. It is true that it was a big fight going on right from the beginning. A lot of people did not want slavery. A lot of the founding fathers did not want slavery. Um, Some of whom even owned slaves did not want slavery. Mm. Um, But we see the moral failing of even those people that they weren't willing to fight about it. They, They were so afraid of splitting the union of states that they wouldn't risk it. So, of course, they dictated that 100 years later, 650,000 Americans would die over the splitting of the Union. I mean, it's if, if it, was a, it was a fight that needed to be fought, and they should have fought it in the very first generation, and whatever they had to do to figure it out, to get it out of our system and away from America when we came a country. And they, they just had a failure of moral strength, mm-hmm. in my opinion, Man. and continued to do so. Um, there were some that taught that it was right. And there were some that taught that it wasn't from Christianity all along. Um, I found it fascinating that apparently in the church of England, and maybe there's some American churches too, I wanted to find it, but didn't have time, but that the church of England, apparently some of the church of England was investing funds in slave, in the slave trade Oof. Mm. and had to come out, uh, not that long ago, 20, maybe last year, this year that they came out and apologized for those linkages. But Again, wow. it just shows a lack of moral courage, mm-hmm. but Christians sometimes have a lack of moral courage. Mm-hmm. That's why we don't right. put our faith in ourselves and each other. But we justify our sin using Scripture, you yep. know, often. Yeah, <laughs> it's really tough, and it's it's yeah. it is a good reason for people to be offended, is by the misbehavior of that stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't mean that Christ is not a savior we can put our faith in. Mm-hmm. It just shows once again that cri- the humans no matter what they claim, are not worthy of our worship. Yeah. So anyway, I don't That's know what cool. else we need to talk about when it comes to slavery at this point. Again, if somebody has questions, they can send them in. Yeah. But that's what kept striking me as I read it was, it, this was less about, there's a couple of passages we don't like sure, for sure, but it was mainly Christians are hypocrites because they supported slavery. And I'm, I would say Christians who supported slavery in America are hypocrites. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're all hypocrites to one degree or another, but that's a, there you go. So I don't know what to do with that one. Well, thank you guys for doing the tough job of kind of sitting in some of these problem passages, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and these things that we have, that people have some tough times with and and given some clarity. And um, for you, listener, I hope this was helpful. Um, If you have any, like Chris was saying, if you have any questions or things that, that you'd like for us to cover, send us an email. And uh, we'll hopefully get to that soon. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people to find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up, trust God, search for answers. Thank you.